Good morning. Morning. Morning, everybody. Welcome to a bit of a different episode of the Matcha Diaries. You'll probably be able to tell from the title, but I wonder... Well, I don't know what we're going to title this yet, so (laughs) let's see how clear it is as to what the topic of this week's episode is going to be. I mean, yeah, hopefully... It is very clear. It is quite a different episode, though, so we're scared. <laughs> yeah. Do you want to give some context as to what we're what we're chatting about this week and why? So basically, last week we went to a live podcast episode event um, for the How to Fail podcast by Elizabeth Day, and it was just like so inspirational. The guest was just super vulnerable as well. Um, and it just it made us think a lot about our own failures and it will definitely be out of our comfort zone this type of episode but we thought it would be really cool to kind of just address our own failures and do the same thing basically where we sit here and just open up and be vulnerable and address basically what our failures are in life I feel like the word failure is quite hard to explain do we want to explain that Leo like what Elizabeth Day means by failures and how we're gonna contribute that into this episode. Yeah, so I've been listening to this podcast for probably like over two years, Elizabeth Day's podcast, and I obviously, this is kind of like all credit goes to her for this idea, because her whole podcast is based around the fact that she, every single episode, interviews a different guest. Most of the time they are personalities or celebrities in, in kind of some way. And the concept of the podcast is to kind of talk about your failures, to destigmatize the concept of failures and, and to kind of talk about how actually through learning how mm. to fail, you learn how to succeed better in life. So it's all about kind of the fact that, you know, in society nowadays, we always, you know, celebrate people's successes so much or everyone focus so much on on success and and achieving success and and failures are I mean still I think it's it's obviously getting a lot better but failures are still something that like it it feels shameful or what even is a failure or we don't want to admit failures and you know I think obviously what is a failure to one person will be a completely different thing to another person like I think it's very subjective so this this podcast and it's kind of like the guest submits in Elizabeth Day's podcast, it's normally three failures per per guest. And the guest submits their failures to Elizabeth and then she'll kind of ask questions about them and, and talk the guests through them. Can highly recommend listening to her podcast if you haven't yet. It's truly like <laughs> so many inspiring episodes and so many inspiring guests. And it just makes you realize that, you know, every single person has things in their life that they're not proud of or that are still kind of kind of running around in their mind or or just have shaped them into like who they are because that's kind of what I guess the the point of the podcast is at the end of the day like it it shows you how your failures make you stronger and and they lead to kind of who you are at the end of the day and, and and the success you become or you know the happiness you are able to achieve etc yeah no I completely agree I feel like for me the biggest takeaway that I think listeners get is that no matter what like obstacles and challenges and downfalls and mistakes that you've made I feel like everyone ends up learning from those and coming out on the other side which is which is always the nice thing when listening to these episodes is you kind of like see the story and you see how they end up learning from their mistakes and how that does lead to their successes so I think that's like the biggest takeaway but yeah that's essentially what we're doing in this episode so we've sent each other two failures and we're doing a part one and part two so Leo's going to be leading this episode so she sent me her two failures and I've written up some questions and uh she hasn't seen it so it's properly like on the spot (laughs) reacting (laughs) so yeah we're not doing highs and lows as well for this episode so we thought we'd just get straight into it yes And I, I have to be completely honest in the sense that, like, if you hear me being, I don't know, slightly different in this episode, I think it's just, I'm actually, I'm really nervous for this episode. Like, this is, I know I'm going to get emotional <laughs> speaking about this. And it's something that I've never spoken about publicly, obviously. Like, it's never I've ever addressed on the podcast. 
It's maybe yeah. things that like I've alluded to, but I've never like outright said it anywhere. And it's the like one of my failures. I think it's the first one we're gonna speak about is kind of something that like has probably impacted me the most in my life. And I feel like really ashamed about and I'm really scared that like you guys listening are gonna see me differently. They won't, Leo. They could they could never, honestly. But I think that's yeah, it's also why I wanna record the episode, I guess, to like or like why I wanna speak about it, because I was speaking about recording this episode with Marco yesterday, my my boyfriend, and he was saying that, you know, you sh- you shouldn't record this episode if you feel like it's too intimate or it's too private because at the end of the day, mm. you know, it's it's my life. It's your life. Yeah, yeah, like we choose what we put out there and obviously it is a, a public kind of sphere where we're putting it out. But I I should put it out there if, if my only concern is how will people see me differently or, or will people judge me or etc. Because, you know that is not good enough of a of a reason to kind of I guess hide bits of me away or, or not be fully truthful in, in my experiences and I don't know if this if like my experience is going to be relatable to anyone but mm. I don't know <laughs> maybe some elements of it will be so I guess that's kind of what I'm hoping I don't know yeah no I know it's hard um And the main thing is I do want you to feel comfortable and, like, want to do this. So um, if there's anything, we can just, like, pause or not talk about it and not have it in there. But, yeah, I just want you to know that I do think that this is going to be helpful for people because I think everyone, a lot of people have gone through the situation that you're going to be talking about. And I bet it's so hard to understand what we're trying to say now and we haven't really talked about it just yet. (laughs) Or, like, you haven't really said your failure just yet. This is literally a therapy session. Okay, let's let's um stop beating around the bush. People are like, what the <laughs> fuck is going on? <laughs> yeah, no, we need to have it make sense. Okay, so basically the first failure that Leo sent me is that she was seeking validation to the expense of other people. So the first question I wanted to ask was basically like an origin story. So yeah. I want to know... When did you start noticing that you were seeking validation from other people? Was there like a specific moment that you remembered seeking validation or was it just like a general thing when you were young? That's a good question. So I do think looking back, because I have done a lot of reflection um, on this, I think ever since I was a kid, I did feel like something was a bit not different about me but I just I did feel Mm. a little bit like an outsider in a lot of spaces I think um but I wanted to fit in really badly and I wanted to be liked by other people and accepted as I think you know a lot of us do and I definitely from like an early age started either changing the way I spoke or or the things that I did, like even in primary school to, I guess, fit what I thought people would want to hear or pe- what, what would like, like, what would make them like me more. Yeah. So I think it like even goes so far as like in primary school, I'd like sometimes make up stories about things that happened or, you know, and they weren't true. Um, I mean, that's the <laughs> whole point of like making them up. Um <laughs> um but you know it's it's, it kind of goes as far back to I think I just I felt like I had to be somebody else and like who I was wasn't quite good enough to be accepted did something specific happen or that like triggered you feeling this way or was it quite general I have no idea because I think my parents have always been so good at telling me how special I am how you know like, I don't know, my parents have always built me up very much and my family yeah. has in general. So I, I don't know if it, like, I don't, I can't see a root in my childhood or, or as in my, my family upbringing. I do think that especially as I got older, what happened was that I went to a school that was full of extremely privileged people. And that's mm. not a bad thing at all. Like, I've made a lot of really good friends from that school. But because, I mean... I'm not gonna say that like oh my god I came from such an underprivileged background because I have not. It was just extremely 
middle class. You know, my my mom is a teacher, my my dad is an artist, and I was going to school with people that like their dads were like CEOs of multi-billion dollar companies kind of thing. So I think that probably just added to it in the sense that like I always felt like I I guess I couldn't keep up in the same way. And I almost I also didn't want to almost like admit that to like my peers. I I sound like Dan from Gossip Girl, but <laughs> you know, <laughs> I was like, I I couldn't buy the clothes that I guess I I wanted to to fit in. I I didn't feel like I maybe looked like I the other people did, and mm. I mean that even goes. I've I've spoken about this before as well in terms of like I yeah. I always looked quite different to to my friends not in like the most extreme way like looking back now it's it's really not a big deal at all but at the time you know all my friends were tall and blonde and and in my eyes so beautiful and I was always kind of like the the short (laughs) brunette like Mm -hmm. child next to them um and and again I think it just like laddered it all laddered up to the fact that like I didn't feel very beautiful or I think very good in myself. I remember I'd always like dream about this time where I'd be grown up and I'd be able to, it was weirdly like centered around materialistic things as well, like where I'd be able to buy X, Y, Z to to make me feel a certain way or, you know, because I, I felt like I, I couldn't do a lot of those things because obviously I was, you know, I didn't make my own money. I couldn't influence a lot of those things. Yeah. And yeah, I just, I didn't feel very desirable to, to men. And I remember a specific incident to which my attitude changed a lot. It was like the 16th birthday party of a friend of mine. And I was chatting to this guy. I, I'd met him that night and I really liked him. I don't know. I just thought he was cute. Like we were having like funny chats and stuff and he was like flirting with me. And he told me that he spoke about me or he asked about me. Um, He asked a question about me to like a friend of mine or like somebody that was in my my class and that apparently that guy had said like oh leo like she's a nun kind of thing just like <laughs> implying that like i never did anything with guys like i never got any i don't know if it, well for me it was like i like people see yeah. me this way like people see me as this person that like never does anything with guys like never gets any attention like is kind of almost the one that's like in the corner like the nun <laughs> So I th- I must have been 15. No, I must have been 16 at this point. And I think something just like clicked in my head where I was like, I don't want to be that anymore. Like, I don't want to have that reputation anymore. And not that that's a bad thing at all, you yeah, know? No, no. <laughs> no, but that annoys me so much. The fact that someone could literally just like give an opinion about you without even knowing you. And I just feel like especially people at that age... They are, it's so easy to like gossip and judge and make these like statements and it's just it's annoyed me <laughs> yeah I, and I don't even think I properly realized it at the time like the impact it had yeah no obviously but if it literally in that moment made you want to kind of change the way you were perceived then obviously it had an impact yeah. on you so that party must have been in end of November and then my birthday was 1st of January I mean it still is um, but no, it was my, so it must, it was like my, I can't remember if it was my 16th or 17th birthday party, but it was either of the two. And I made this resolution with myself going into this birthday party, obviously New Year's Eve party. And I was like, I'm gonna make out with someone tonight. Like, this is going to be the change. This is going to be the year where I start like getting with boys. And I mean, I got drunk and I did. So that was kind of the start of it all, to be honest. And I'm, I feel like I'm really prolonging the story unnecessarily. No, um, don't worry. But that's when really, I think in, especially like my last year of school or my last two years of school, I started getting very drunk on nights out or parties that we went to and making out with a lot of different boys. Like it, it never went beyond making out, but it was consistent because for some reason in my mind I had like this moral boundary of like oh I wouldn't sleep with someone until I really Mm. like them or whatever but I think without even realizing I was completely changing my reputation or or I was really like letting down my own sense of like the respect I have for myself because I was getting with people that I didn't like that I didn't think were 
I don't know, that I would never have, like, been interested in, in, like, broad daylight or if I had actually, like, spoken about it or thought about it. But it was truly just because of, like, validation. It made me feel good. It made me feel desired in the moment. A lot of times I'd, mm. I wouldn't even realize it because I, I would wake up and I was... And I was so drunk that like the next day people would be like, oh yeah, you made out with this guy. And I was like, oh, I didn't even realize. Like it, it literally became like second nature to me. It became something that when I was drunk, I would do. And like sometimes it just, sometimes it would, like at the beginning, I think it was kind of like, it didn't matter. We were all kind of doing it. You know, everyone was going out, yeah. getting drunk, getting with people. It was, it was kind of what we were doing at the time. But then it got to the point, for example, where I started really liking a guy and I was still continuing to get with other people, even though I, I liked this guy. I mean, I literally got with two of his friends repeatedly. We weren't like exclusive, but he was saying to me like, Leo, how can I, how can we start a relationship when you are acting this way? And I was like, yeah, yeah, you're right. Would proceed to continue to do so. Almost, I, I've read back on diary entries and I almost wasn't realizing what I was doing. Like I, I still couldn't find, yeah. I still couldn't see the fault in what I was doing. I think it's because I was so scared of of rejection as well. Like I wanted to be the one that committed the mistake. I wanted to be the one that if something didn't work out, I could clearly point it back to, oh, it's just because I did this. And it got to the point where like, he was like, oh, you know, we can we can progress things, but only if like you stop getting with other people in the, on the nights out. And that for me seemed like a really big ask. And now looking back, I'm like, oh, Leo, what is going on? <laughs> But it, yeah, it just, it just shows to me like how it was deeply ingrained in what I was doing and how I got my sense of like worthiness at the time was all through male validation, whether it was flirting, making out with other people, etc. And so this then kind of, I'm going to like fast forward a little bit because I don't want to bore anyone, but <laughs> it then, <laughs> it then got to the point where like, obviously, that was an example where I heard that boy that I, I was seeing, right? Because yeah. I couldn't see past my own... Like, it was almost like an ego thing, but I wasn't realizing it. And I think it was just because I was so deeply insecure looking back. And, for example, I got to the point where that was... This was, like, probably, like, the first time that I, I realized that, you know, this is really impacting somebody else. Because for some reason, I think because I was, like, young and... I saw boys as these like untouchable creatures that like didn't have any emotions. So I didn't necessarily feel bad for the boys that I was interacting with, which now obviously since being in relationships, especially and having male friends that are closer to me, obviously I'm like, obviously men have fucking feelings. Like, <laughs> duh, they have the same emotions as we do. <laughs> but at that point, I think I, cause I was mainly focused on my female friends. I, I didn't really yeah. think about the implications I was having on, on the men or the boys. I mean, really at that time it was boys. Cause I was like under 18. The boys. No, but I feel like that's totally normal though. Cause I think even kids that age, I mean, I remember being a teenager and like not even being aware of my own emotions, let alone how I was impacting my friends. Um, and I think also at that age, maybe boys struggle to show their emotions as well. They're still kind of learning. So I, f so I don't really blame you for not fully uh, catching on <laughs> to how you're making them feel. Um, but yeah, thought I'd put that out there. Yeah, no, I yeah, I guess I I think it definitely was something that I only started waking up to later um but like the first instance I can remember where I really noticed like oh I have to change something like something is not going well is when I kissed someone at a party and I I, I honestly the the first thing I remember is I was on the sofa kissing this boy and this fr my friend comes up to me and is like Leah what the fuck are you doing and I almost mm. like woke up from this trance I was like oh my god what am I doing because that boy is somebody that like my best friend used to have a crush on and that was the first time I noticed like obviously we had a massive fight because that was like so against girl code and I mean girl code is a stupid term but you know what I mean like it's so against the rules yeah, of friendship yeah. like just don't go there you know but I think that's the first time I realized like fuck like something is something has to change because I am putting relationships I love at risk and mm. I need to change something so I think that's the first time that something lodged in my brain where I was like I need to change something but I really didn't quite know how because I I still continued to get drunk and I mean I feel bad for my friends at the time because I think I kept having these conversations after night out like I have to stop acting this way etc 
Um, just to clarify, though, for those that are listening, that every time you had those encounters, you were drunk. You weren't sober. Yeah, every um, single time. Yeah. <laughs> Me not putting the pieces together, like... Because <laughs> I, I... And I think this is definitely related to also, like... I don't want to say definitely because I don't want to throw my parents under the bus. But my parents were quite strict in terms of like going out and the rules Mm. that I had in the house, which I completely understand because they were literally trying to protect me. And I've had a lot of conversations with my parents about this, but I do think it led to me feeling like I couldn't speak honestly about what was going on in, in my home. And I would never really end up telling them if I did go out or if I'd like broken the curfew which happened as soon as I was like out past 11 p.m or something I'd be like okay well now it doesn't matter anyways like I'm gonna get in trouble regardless might as well like go full force kind of thing so I think it was a little bit of stupid teenage rebellion as well um in terms of the drinking and and the staying out Mm. um because at this time like I make myself sound like I was this like um teenage rebel but I was still like I've, I've always been very much like a great like I really cared about my academics I was always really good at school and I I think that's always where like I I had almost like these two personas like this like (laughs) goody two-shoes girl at school and then when I'd go out I'd like not know my boundaries and yeah I do think that's so interesting though to see with you saying like the nun comment and how that made you kind of want to go against the version of you that already existed which was the like morally good the true to their friend's um girl code type version but then when you were drinking it was almost like every action you did and I don't want to put words in your mouth so correct me if I'm wrong but it's almost like everything that you did was for the validation so it didn't really align with your true self yeah I guess that's like the main thing I've obviously struggled with since I mean I'll continue telling the story I realize I've been chatting for freaking a bazillion years but basically I then ended up going to university and I ended up meeting my then boyfriend for the next three and a half years I met him pretty much like literally the first night of of freshers week so that's kind of yeah the week leading up to university I met him and you know fell in love with him and, and started a relationship and it kind of had a rocky start to be honest because I was still seeing someone back in Germany when I when I came to to the UK um loosely seeing but so that probably wasn't the best start to a relationship you know I I mean I told I told him about this all like my my ex and um then you know officially ended things with the the German guy started officially kind of dating my then boyfriend and I would say I was really, this was my first relationship experience. So I was 18 and I couldn't believe I was someone's girlfriend. Like this has almost been like, this was like my dream since I was like 14 years old. I I remember specifically like me crying in my bed to my mom when I was like 14, 15 (laughs) being like, no one's ever going to like me. Like I'm never going to, like I really, this was like a topic because especially because I was such like a, a book fiend, like I loved romance books, like have done forever since I was 12 I think I I used to yeah I feel like I almost developed quite early in the sense of like liking boys like I I've had interest in boys since I was like 11 12 it just like never really happened or like I had crushes on boys and they were never reciprocated um like I remember having a crush when I was like 13 14 and you know it just ended in a lot of embarrassment for me which I think just built up my defense mechanisms and my walls in terms of like I need to protect myself to not get hurt and but also this I guess a sense that like I wasn't inherently worthy of people's love or of of people actually wanting me um so yeah I was kind of in this relationship all honky-dory I mean it's kind of like honeymoon stage and then it was exam end like I had just finished my exams my ex still had one more exam to go the next day and I was kind of celebrating my end of the exams and I went out with my friends I mean one of them Ali is like still like one of my closest friends to date but at that time I wasn't close with her at all this was kind of like one of the first nights we probably went out together yeah and if you've been following (laughs) the tale of the story I think everything kind of ladders up to this point really like it 
because I, I think I'd kind of realized that I was doing bad things or that I was making bad decisions. But at, up to this point, it hadn't really affected me. Like I hadn't really felt the consequences of anything, if that makes sense. Yeah. So I don't think I'd properly learned my lesson, which I guess is part of the failure as well. Like, you know, come on, learn your lesson the fucking first time. Like, but... That kind of makes sense, though. If you never really felt the consequences, then there's nothing to learn from. So that kind of makes sense to me. Yeah. So long story short, it will be to no one's surprise that I got really drunk that night. And I ended up making out with someone. And I remember specifically that I'd like, he was, you know, kept getting me a drink. I was kind of sitting opposite my friend and and his friend who she was getting with. And he was kind of saying, I, I kept telling him, I have a boyfriend, I have a boyfriend, you know, I, I don't want to get another drink, etc. And he, I mean, he obviously kept buying me drinks. I kept drinking them. Um, and then the next memory, I have very, very hazy memories from that night. I pretty much have none. But I remember loosely being outside with him at some extent and then I remember just I just remember waking up the next morning and seeing a text from Ali like about it and I I think I messaged her like surely like nothing happened right and she was like Leo don't you remember and for me it was just like utter panic like I I couldn't believe you know that I that I kissed someone else whilst being in a relationship because at that point like in my mind this was a happy relationship this was a relationship that I wanted very much wanted to keep yeah so I was literally in like an utter state of of panic waking up that morning and I just remember I ran to the library where you know my ex was studying I feel I honestly feel so bad for him I had to pull him away from his Mm. study spot and and tell him what happened you wanting to tell him what happened is a lot more than what some people would do especially if it was like one mistake I can imagine a lot of people would just not see it as being worth telling yeah I I knew there was no other option so I so he understandably was very upset I remember he went home and I think I, I must have sat outside his door like crying and screaming for like hours kind of just like begging him to to forgive me obviously and it's it's so strange because I I want to make very clear in what I'm saying that I'm not painting myself like I don't see myself as the victim in the situation at all I don't want to romanticize cheating or kind of give this impression like cheating is okay you should forgive it because from this story and from my experience I have learned that it is just completely not okay because I mean, he ended up taking me back and forgiving me um, after, like, a couple of weeks of, I'm sure, like, utter torture for both of us. Because clearly we were very much still in love. And that's where I think cheating is so portrayed as black and white. But even in, in young relationships, it's not that way. Let alone, like, when you're older, you have kids, etc. Like, I can't even imagine that struggle, you know? Um, but obviously he still wanted to to make it work and and I desperately wanted to and yeah I remember I don't think I've ever felt sadness or heartbreak like this was genuinely I think my first experience probably like my only real experience of heartbreak and it's ironic because I broke like my own heart like it was completely self-inflicted I'm not blaming anyone but myself because it was completely avoidable um, if I had taken the steps to, you know, work on myself earlier or not get so drunk, etc. Like, there's a lot of things that I could have done to prevent this. So I just want to make clear that I'm not trying to excuse my actions at I, all. Like I completely feel the same. I mean, it's hard for me to sit here because I, I obviously want to comfort you as well, but I, I agree yeah. with you that, like, I, I mean, you know this about me. I hate people that romanticize cheating, even in series. Like, I'm always like, why is this being romanticized? Yeah, because I know that there will be people listening who will have been deeply hurt by cheating. Like, and that's, I think, where I obviously feel it's really difficult because I know that I'm the villain in my ex's story. Not that he paints me that way, but, you know, you're. I'm the villain in someone's story. I'm pro- maybe the villain in, in a couple of people's story in the sense that I did something that was deeply morally wrong and that broke someone's trust. And, and I broke that respect, you know? Like, I did not respect him in that moment at all. Um, 
because otherwise I would have never done such a thing. So basically what, what obviously continued to happen was like, I just went into a deep period of, of self-loathing and, Mm. um, I think ever since then, I distanced myself emotionally from the relationship looking back now. I didn't realize it at the Mm, time because I was like, oh my God, I'm so grateful that I'm, I'm back in the relationship. You took me back, et cetera. But I think in the back of my mind, I then knew from that moment on, I would never be able to marry that man because I would never be able to stand at an altar and say yes to someone who I'd done that to. And I think that was kind of almost like the beginning of the end, really. Um, And then because of, I think that happened, like I then just proceeded to, like without even really realizing, I think I was still just seeking validation, external validation in the relationship, uh, outside of the relationship. That was also because the relationship itself, especially now looking back, I can see it just, it wasn't the right relationship for me. You know, the person wasn't right and a lot of things I just couldn't speak about with him that were like underlying issues. So I think I was kind of letting it out, still trying to seek external validation, etc. So then it was, there was a period in, in, in like, this was probably two years into the relationship or something where I was really doubting my relationship and I really wanted to, I guess, break up. Like I felt very unhappy in the relationship because of different reasons. And there was a time again, I went to a festival and shock horror I got drunk (laughs) um I think this is where it's so interesting because obviously looking back there's such clear patterns and there's such clear moments where it's like avoid retreat don't do this (laughs) um and I and I woke up the next morning I remember going home crying from this festival I left earlier than my friends and I woke up the next morning or even like the the, that night knowing that something happened or feeling like something bad happened but I couldn't remember what I felt like I'd potentially kissed someone, but I didn't know. And I was trying to find out who it was or or if something happened. And I spoke about it with a friend of mine and, and she was like, no one saw anything. Like nobody knows if this even happened. Like what's the point in in telling your, your you know, boyfriend at the time if you don't even know if anything happened at all? And at this point I was like, I thought I was gonna break up with him anyways. <laughs> that sounds bad but I was like okay I'm I'm not gonna I even spoke about it with my parents and, and they were like yeah I think in this point like you would just hurt him unnecessarily kind of thing and I mean again this has really taught me that yeah you can always listen to people's advice because they have valuable opinions to say but in that moment and I've taken that forward like I need to be entirely honest about even the stupid little things and that's something that I definitely like take forward in my relationship now like it's something that I would never do again. But I ended up not telling him. And that's, I think, where it was so interesting because then we ended up, like, you know, kind of fixing our issues a little bit, being back together. And then suddenly, out of nowhere, I just ended up spiraling into this deep cycle of, of guilt. And I mm. it, it felt like obsessive, though, patterns, basically. So I would go over and over and over again that drunken festival day trying to remember what happened this was months after it happened um and it was it, it consumed everything like it, it consumed every single moment it's I couldn't draining. focus on anything and maybe this is where this is where I started becoming a little bit scared of my mind and I knew that I had these tendencies in terms of like obviously having kind of eating patterns disordered eating patterns like that's kind of a similar train of thought right like obsessively being obsessed with something it's circling back over and over again that's kind of something that I was experiencing to a very intense degree um at that point and I ended up telling my my ex about what happened and it was really strange because I had def that point I was like he's definitely breaking up with me and he ended up not like he ended up just forgiving me probably like within an hour or so which was obviously very probably too kind of him you know I think he definitely saw too too much good in me um but I think that almost didn't help because again I didn't I didn't feel like I got the consequence I deserved so I continued like punishing myself going over and over and over it again after I told him as well so that's kind of like just the spiraling which then proceeded to happen um so I mean we ended up breaking up and I I I I just think the relationship wasn't you know 
the right one but obviously all of these things played into it and why it you know wasn't wasn't good in in the end so I don't know it's just it's just something that I've obviously struggled with a lot since because it really made me question whether I'm able to be in a relationship whether I'm able to have a healthy relationship whether I'm deserving of a healthy Mm. relationship whether like it just makes me and I I still deal with this even though I feel like I've done a lot of kind of work since like self-analysis and I I try and yeah you really have be a completely different girlfriend and partner now but it's deeply affected the way I see myself and like if I think I'm a good person because I just Mm. yeah I think I still don't really think I'm a good person to be honest because like I had the capacity in me to to do something like that to someone that like at the time I I cared about you know and I know that obviously alcohol was always involved and that's why I'm I'm really cautious about alcohol nowadays and I have a very different relationship to it and you know I, I was sober for a while kind of like reflecting on and I guess the damage I inflicted upon myself using alcohol as like a a crutch and escape mechanism whatever it was but it's just one of those things which feels just really shameful and just yeah you okay yeah i am so basically obviously that's why i kind of see it as a failure because it's a, a failure of i went against my my morals you know, and and my values to the expense of other people. And I've, the reason why I called this failure in terms of like seeking validation is because I think retrospectively, I'm able to see that I just, I felt like I couldn't say no to men. Like I just felt like this was going to be the last time I ever got attention. Every single time that a man gave me attention, like every time felt like this is so special. This is the only time I'm going to get attention. I need to like savor it because I'm inherently unworthy of any sort of desirability which is not true um but like yeah i guess i just i think i failed myself as well yeah i just want to i want to remind you that you are worthy and that you've had so much growth and so much learning about yourself since that experience and you are such a good partner in this relationship um that you're currently in and i just want you to know that you are worthy and all your friends and all your family do see that um and that you're amazing i just i know that these talking about these experiences can kind of like trigger old feelings and i just i want to take a moment to just remind you that you are amazing and that's not who you are anymore and that's not what type of person you are in a relationship and yeah you're incredible (laughs) don't know about that it's the truth (laughs) it's the truth but speaking of um the growth and what you're like now in a relationship I did want to ask do you feel like you find validation within yourself now or is it something you're still kind of dealing with that's a good question Um, I think so in lockdown like you said I think that's the time where I really went like inwards and properly reflected for the first time and I ended up just going on kind of like a, a six month or so hiatus of any sort of external validation like or as much as I could, like, because I'd realized that probably since the age of, like, 16, ever since that happened, I'd never gone, like, even a day without chatting to a boy to some extent, or, you know, whether it's, like, flirty messaging, or actually dating someone, or going on dates, etc., like, it, or parties as well, mm. um, but in lockdown, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm gonna try without it for a while, you know, just having that realization that I'd, I'd never had, even in lockdown, I was kind of at the beginning still, still dating someone, um, so... I kind of cut myself off, I guess. I was like, okay, I'm going to really try and, and go inward. And that's when I started yeah, going I to therapy. So I think I, I had a lot of these realizations for the first time, like thinking it back to self-worth and everything, which I'd never made that connection before. Mm-hmm. And I started looking at my relationship with alcohol for the very first time. And I remember it feeling so scary to even just tell myself, like, let me limit my number of drinks on a night out like that felt terrifying for some instance but I also felt myself like I felt myself feeling really like more at peace in lockdown than I ever had and then I'd be thinking about future social events where I'd have to drink and I'd get this like anxious pit in my stomach and then at the same time be like 
well, then why, Neil, won't you just, just choose not to drink in those situations when clearly that's <laughs> making you anxious, the thought of drinking and the, obviously the thought of repercussions. Um, but for some reason, like that for a couple of months just seemed too daunting, like the, like the not drinking, you know. I really felt like it was almost like unavoidable like I couldn't stop drinking possibly you know that would be you know the end of society as it is or whatever I don't know I would be shunned yeah I think it's so good that you tried to make sense of your relationship with alcohol because I think that's something we we just take for granted sometimes like we just accept that we accept drinking culture as a whole but yeah obviously we did a whole episode on sobriety and drinking culture um, but it's interesting to hear now and like see how that was part of your journey as well yeah so I ended up uh, looking into kind of like sobriety literature and and I went on like a, it started with dry jan and I ended up doing it mm. for like 90 days um so I think that was really helpful yeah that's so good and ever since then I've, I've I've probably had nights where like I've been drunk but I think I can count them on like now in the last two years I it was probably like less than a handful of times that I've been I've been drunk since and I so I really make it a point now I don't I can't even think of a time this year really that I that I was drunk um because I'm just I'm very conscious of it now and I and I struggled with this as well to some extent where I was like oh why am I different to other people like why can't I just let go with alcohol and still do normal things or like not hurt people I love or not go against my inherent value system when I drink like why can't I just be like every other normal like early 20 something year old and or like my friends you know who who drink and I guess like overindulge sometimes but nothing quote-unquote bad happens or like what I perceive as, as bad in um but I've also done a lot of kind of like reading about it and, and listening to other people's experiences with like sobriety or drinking. And I've I've realized that I'm actually like not alone in that in, in the sense no, that definitely. like there is a lot of people that just can't handle alcohol. And, and then it's like, well, we all shouldn't be able to handle alcohol because it's literally a toxin that like shuts off part of our brains and you know, makes us not unable to think of, of the consequences of our actions, etc. Again, not excusing anything because there's preventable things that you can take. And I, I want to take full accountability for the ways that, like, I've hurt people in my past. Yeah, that's so true. I don't really think that, you know, when people say that, oh, when you're drinking, it shows your true intentions. I genuinely, yeah. genuinely don't believe that. And I think that's almost stupid. <laughs> um but I agree with you that there's like ways to control it and that's what you can control rather than how you are reacting once you've consumed the limits that make you lose yeah. that control. But yeah, it's definitely been a learning process and I think it it, it still definitely is because I think like entering a new, like then being single hmm. um, felt like almost a safe space because you can't hurt anyone when you're single in the sense that like there's no one else involved you know so that very much felt like a safe space to me it doesn't it didn't mean that I was like getting drunk every weekend or anything like I, I definitely had evolved a, a lot more since then or since like my teenage years but I just I felt quite safe being single and to be honest that's a main reason why I didn't want a relationship but then I I, I met Marco and I, I fell in love you know so <laughs> And then I remember the beginning of my relationship was actually like quite tough for me because I had to face like these old fears and and this dilemma of mine of feeling like of of fearing that I wouldn't be able to have a successful healthy relationship and and to be the girlfriend that I wanted to be. And in essence, it's a fear to feel the way I did because that that low point where I would keep like spiraling and and over obsess and go over and over my thoughts like genuinely that was the worst period of my life ever like worse than I would say like my disordered eating phase or or anything like that I mean it probably coincided with it as well like I definitely don't think my eating habits were very Mm. were healthy at that point either but it was definitely the worst thing I ever mentally experienced the the feeling of utter loss of control over your own thoughts and the spiraling and being scared of your mind and feeling like your mind is your worst enemy 
Mm. And that was my biggest fear that I'd go back to that space, like entering into a new relationship, like making yourself vulnerable to that, I guess, again. And I mean, I think this is, I guess, what potentially I'm where I can see the good in what happened and where I'm trying to take it forward is like I've approached my relationship now with like just complete oversharing <laughs> like <laughs> I've I've told Marco about all of this from the very beginning and he's been That's extremely so extremely helpful and supportive in trusting me completely yeah and and he's giving you the safe space yeah exactly and not and him like he's never made me feel like he trusts me less because of it or I'm less good of a person because of it and I I think that was really helpful and, and it still is and I mean now I honestly like I back even like a year or two ago wasn't speaking about any of these things with even my closest friends. I think it took me a while to even, like, tell you, Cara, about some of these things, you know? Yeah, Um, yeah. So I'm proud of myself that I am speaking about it, even though it feels very scary. But I'm hoping that it's gonna also help me in, like... Like, it's almost selfish in a way. I'm hoping it's gonna help me in, like, my further self-acceptance and everything because I'm not gonna lie, it still impacts me and it still impacts the view I have on myself um but I do, yeah I'm working through it <laughs> and, yeah and that's the most important thing like I'm sure you've seen as well how much you've grown and how much you've changed in a relationship and how much more open you are with your friends and I think I genuinely think you can see that and and I mean it's a perfect example of the power of sitting with your thoughts and going to therapy and understanding yourself and understanding your actions and your values and who you want to be I really hope that you do now seek the validation within yourself rather than through external sources because you are amazing yeah Um, oh that was your original question oh my god I remember (laughs) me not answering it at all Um, oh you did you did yeah I know I agree I think I have a lot clearer picture of like who I am, who I want to be and and what's really important in life and I definitely feel very strongly like about all of those topics now and I do think I value myself a lot more than I than I did back then. Yeah, that's that's so amazing. What I'm hoping that like I'm listeners maybe can get out of this is Yeah. If you have anything in your past that, like, you're ashamed of or that you feel scared to talk about or that you feel, like, makes you a worse person. Because I think, like, a lot of us will have something in our past that makes us feel that way. Yeah. Like, you're not alone. And, but also, like, we're on this journey together to, like, figure out ways in which... To, like, not let our past control us. And I remember a, like, friend of mine gave me really good advice in terms of, like, you just need to see it as, like, chapters of your book, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. That was one chapter of who you were and, and what you went through. But now you're on a new chapter and you need to... You've read that chapter. Like, you need to let that chapter inform what you're going through now. Like, you can't forget it. You can't rip out the pages of the book and you won't ever be able to do that. So it's important to have that backstory, but it doesn't mean that the same thing is going to happen in this chapter. It, it means that, you know, yeah, it's going to build up from what happened in, in that past chapter. And I think that's where, like, whenever I try and, like, because obviously, like, we speak a lot about reframing and everything on our podcast. And I think that's where I, mm-hmm. I try and reframe it as best as I can um, in terms of, like, maybe if I hadn't done those mistakes in the past I wouldn't have properly learned from like what I was doing as a teenager because like I said I hadn't properly felt any consequences when I was just like mindlessly getting drunk and and making out with people like no one really was harmed in that process but I was I was harming myself I guess because I just wasn't respecting myself and, and my own boundaries and I think if something something drastic almost had to happen for me to like wake up and realize and to completely reevaluate and shift my values and my 
intentions towards relationships and and who I want to be and that's definitely like it's completely changed me as a person and how I now um approach things and I mean even this podcast like obviously was started Mm -hmm. after lockdown and after I'd done a lot of like internal like growth or or just trying to be a bit more self-aware and I just don't think that was something that I that I was at the time at all yeah no I I completely loved how you just described that and I think that's that's also the takeaway for me that I have is that your past shouldn't define who you are as a person and it, it doesn't define you but it but the lessons that you've learned and like the obstacles that you've gone through will make you a better person and and those lessons that you take that's and how you change that is what defines you rather than your past um and your mistakes and I mean it's like you said without without the mistakes and the obstacles you can't really grow as a person either so yeah it's all about how you take those experiences and then, like you said, reframe them in your mind and then take action on that as well. And just a reminder that we're all human. Like, we all make mistakes. I, if if we were all perfect, we wouldn't be human. <laughs> but yeah, I really want to thank you for sharing that with us. And I mean, I've I feel very privileged to be sitting with you having this conversation right now because I know how hard it was for you to say that and I just think you're amazing and you have a lot of people in your life that love you and care for you and I feel like I witnessed a lot of it as well in the podcast and I just want you to know how proud I am of you and yeah thank you your support means a lot I hope you know that and Mm -hmm. like yeah you were probably the first friend that I properly confided in and obviously you were kind of there when I was like very much like mentally struggling with this back at uni as well yeah I don't really remember the advice that I gave you but I do remember (laughs) you were you were honestly like the only person I spoke to at the time about it and one friend from home (laughs) and my mom (laughs) because I speak to my mom about everything and my my dad to be honest like they both know (laughs) (laughs) um about this uh and have been very helpful but yeah I I'm very grateful for you and your support Because I, I remember being so scared to tell you specifically because I know that you have such like a, a, you know, for me in my head, you were always the person who has such a good sense of like morals and, and like a very Aww. straight value system. And I was really scared that you were gonna like see me differently or, or not want to be my friend oh, no, anymore. No, nothing, nothing changed <laughs> at all. Um, I don't judge people. <laughs> And I'm glad you could talk to me about it. Because I, I really do think that talking about it helps you understand yourself more and how you feel. And I mean, we say this all the time that the podcast is literally like a way of us figuring life out. So I, I, I'm glad you spoke to me because I really do think that that helps you understand yeah. yourself. And I guess almost that's like one of the biggest failures, I guess, in my story is that it took me so long to learn it, you know, because... Mm. If somebody was probably watching from the outside, there was a lot of times where I could have woken up sooner and prevented further mistakes. And I guess that's also something like if you are currently in a situation where you're catching yourself doing almost like, I guess, it's a smaller series of bad choices, you know, and they're not fully impacting you yet. But I think deep down, you know, when they could be leading to something worse. Yeah, it's so tricky. It's like having to look within and actually holding yourself accountable even when you're still in the process of making bad decisions I just feel like that's so tricky yeah if I could stop if I could prevent anyone from like like feeling the way yeah I did um I want to from both sides because again like I've never been in in my ex's shoes and I don't know how he felt but I bet it wasn't it wasn't great at all (laughs) like you know and that's the thing that's something that I'm always gonna have to live with is that I've forever shaped someone else's experiences with relationships and um it's not something I'm gonna be able to change you know it's Mm. it's something it's hard it's so interesting how like we each play a role in other people's stories and, and we never know to which and sometimes I think it's kind of unknowingly we we have a bad or positive impact on, on people's stories and, and sometimes it's clearer to see like in in this case it's probably a lot clearer to see um the impact I, I might have had 
um, on him and we haven't spoken about it that much at length like after our relationship ended in terms of like how it's impacted him but yeah. you know maybe at some point we will like maybe we'll meet up again in, in five years or ten years and, and we'll be yeah. able to have a conversation about it maybe you never know Okay, basically, I don't think we'll have time to go into my second failure because Unfortunately I've been chatting not. for way too long. <laughs> and I hope, I mean, maybe all of you have clicked out already because no, um, you hate me now. No, I'm not going to say that. I'm, I'm not going to manifest that. Um, <laughs> but no, I, I thought I'd, I don't think we have time to go into my second failure. Um, but I, I thought I'd just quickly mention, I guess, what it is because I think I... I I nod to it whilst I'm, yeah. I'm chatting about my first failure. And, well, Cara, do you want to say what I sent you? Yeah, of course. So the second failure that Leo sent me was not treating her body and her mind the way that they deserve to be treated. Yeah. Which you kind of touch on with your mind patterns and eating habits. Yeah, I feel like, exactly, I don't think I have to go into that much depth because a lot of, like, I guess the backstory I kind of explained as to me feeling not good enough and kind of who I was or how I looked. And I started, and I know that we've chatted about this on the podcast multiple times, but yeah, I started when I was probably, like, 13, 14, um, going into kind of diet behaviors and started restricting my food so was, I, I remember exactly when this started because it was it was my friends were starting to talk about diets and you know one of my friends I remember her her mom um put her and herself together on Weight Watchers program and I remember being like oh no. like bear in mind we're like 14 13 at this that's point so looking bad. back that's, that's so I, I just bad. can't understand why a mother would do that with her child but anyways, um, I'm sure <laughs> that mother has her own issues and her own yeah. struggles that she's working through. Um, but yeah, I remember just being like, oh my God, my friends are so perfect. Like, I don't think they'd ever need to lose weight, but if they're doing it, then maybe I should, then definitely, you know, like I should too. So I think that's when I started restricting my food. I started, and I think just using it as an outlet to change something about me. Cause I just wasn't happy in, in how I was at the time. So I think I just used my, my body and, and my food and, and everything as kind of like an outlet or. Yeah, it was almost like the symptom of, I guess, the underlying problem, which also caused my first failure. I think it's almost like all underlying my my lacking sense of of, of self worth and and almost like I guess like love at the end of the day. Like I I don't think I had enough love for myself. So yeah, I just got I just ate way too little <laughs> and exercised. Then uh, it kind of then morphed into oh now I'm healthy and eating more but then actually I was over exercising and my my mind habits were still going through kind of the same things like I remember at uni I really thought I was better quote-unquote but I remember instances where for example yeah probably after every night out I'd like go and for an hour on the treadmill or something to like quote-unquote work it off or Again, and I think being drunk really tied into this, which I've then reflected on after, because being drunk for me was the only time of the day where I was able to let go mentally. So during the day, I'd restrict my food and everything I was doing so much. And then the times when I was drunk in the week were the only times where like I'd, I'd be allowing myself unhealthy food or, you know, kind of letting go in that instance so I think it, it, it kind of all like ladders into each other it's so interesting like everything's so interconnected so I think I used alcohol as as an escape as a whole and, and as a way to maybe like escape the rigidness that that were my thoughts and the control I was I was imposing on on my life because I think it's so interesting like when I speak to people who knew me at uni I think they very much saw me as this this girl who was like very studious like very dedicated to like her uni studies like I almost looked like I, I kind of had it all together to some extent. And I at, in the inside, obviously, I, I did not. <laughs> I was like yeah. very much... It's so interesting, though, like how your mind was telling you to be kind of rigid and follow rules and stuff during the day. But then your mind was also telling you that that time when you were drinking was a time that you can let go. So it's, it's just, I yeah. find it fascinating that it was like... 
your mind telling you to do both things if that makes sense i think it's always like the binge and restrict cycle that's Um, so true i mean i don't think i was like engaging in in like a binging i i did at some points like i had similar aspects of like i'd eat really little during the day and obviously i'd be super hungry then at night where i'd like eat a whole packet of granola or whatever it would be but i i wouldn't say that i like had binge eating disorder i don't think like i could classify it as that and i don't want to diagnose myself in general but it's yeah yeah it was more just the the mindset yeah it was the same type of pattern because i think there's only a certain extent to which you can keep up that restriction um mentally so i think my way that i found release from it or release of control was via alcohol for me um which again you know I've worked on a lot um like my I've worked a lot on my relationship with food and and my body in the in the past couple of years really again since my because again body image and and eating it doesn't only impact you it impacts the people around you and it definitely impacted my last relationship and and the intimacy I was able to feel or, or the way I was able to feel supported understood um and I think ever since, that's why I was saying as well, like in our episode about breakups, how breakups really can be the catalyst for so much growth. And after that breakup, I really started, and by, in lockdown, I really started examining my relationship with, with food as well and, and my body. And that is something that, you know, I am really proud of how far I've come and, and how differently I'm able to see it now. Again, I think that people with disordered eating histories will probably be able to relate to this in in terms of I I don't think it it ever fully leaves you like I think it's something where like you're you're always gonna have to be a little bit aware and you're always gonna be a little bit more sensitive to to food or or to even like how people speak about food or speak about their own eating habits but I do almost see that as a strength because I think it's something where like I'm able to be a bit more mindful um about how I'm approaching eating and I'm always extremely careful and or I'm I'm trying to be extremely mindful of of how my own thoughts are towards food and and that's kind of a a constant thing I'm trying to work on and, and improve because I just yeah I think it ties into like you treating yourself and and feeding yourself the way you deserve and you know allowing you to to grow and expand and just be nourished in the way that you should and yeah. that's that goes for like your mind in terms of like how you're speaking to it and and your body in terms of what you're feeding it and yeah I think there's a very clear theme in both of my failures um and now if you've listened to this whole episode you pretty much know all of my deepest darkest secrets <laughs> <laughs> I I do want to thank you though for being so open and honest and I feel like Elizabeth Day in her outros, you know, and she's like, thank you so much for this profound <laughs> conversation. <laughs> yeah, you know how Elizabeth Day gives like a great intro at the beginning of every episode to her guests? Yeah. I'm waiting almost. for my incredible intro where you introduce all of my great accomplishments and mm, how cool of a person I am. That's probably not going to happen editing-wise. <laughs> but no, genuinely, it's been amazing to sit here and have this conversation with you and I'm proud of you for going out of your comfort zone to share this with everyone because I genuinely think that this will help a lot of people <laughs> as well. Oh, thank you so much for being there for me and thank you to like our podcast listeners that like make me feel safe enough to open up in this way. Um yeah so that's that's pretty special and I I feel like we have a really good good community of of listeners and like I said I am a little bit scared to release this it's definitely like the scariest episode for me to ever be putting out but I hope that yeah it has some sort of positive impact or that you know maybe even just like you guys will be able to understand me a lot better because this is what impacts a lot of how I act or how I behave nowadays so yeah it gives everyone a chance to get to know you more and now i'm super scared for next week yes i'm excited to turn it around i just don't think i have the (laughs) (laughs) self-awareness like you do (laughs) but it will be interesting to talk through (laughs) years next week we'll get there we'll we'll dissect it together 
there's I think that's the thing like there's no pressure like yeah to be fair I'm excited to just have a chance to sit and think about it and reflect and just have a little moment to understand myself so yeah yeah credits again to Elizabeth Day you're a podcast hero (laughs) Elizabeth Day will never ever listen to this but (laughs) maybe one day maybe (laughs) if she ever does I love you so much thank you for everything (laughs) you've impacted me forever (laughs) um so yeah well sorry for maybe this bit of a downer um (laughs) but I hope that you're doing well and yeah um just know that we're sending lots of love and I guess we'll speak to you next week speak to you next week guys bye bye